The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. Together, we discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And as today's show is meant to be an interactive discussion, if you are listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And of course, your anonymity is always respected. So today, today's show is all about balance. Balance, what's that? For those of us with serious addictions, the word balance has been defined as the middle point we go flying past on the way from one extreme to the other. And how true that has been for so many of us. But in recovery, we learn the power and wisdom found in balance. So today we want to share how we moved from being at one extreme or the other in our lives to lives of peace, through spiritual balance. It will begin as we do by sharing our own experiences of living at the extremes and then move into the solution of spiritual balance. After the break, we'll share exactly how applying the principle of spiritual balance helped us experience lives of peace. So, Lonnie, we we know and we talked about how so many of us uh, find ourselves in this place of one extreme or another, uh, like with most things, not realizing it. What was your experience of that? Well, that was exactly my experience, not realizing it. You know, the extremes where I lived seemed normal to me. They felt normal. It was um, it was reflective of the environment and the chaos and the the uh, the belief systems and all of that 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 surrounded me. And so I didn't know that. I was out of balance or living at an extreme. This was just the way that life was, you know, um, and there's lots of examples of that. Yeah, I had the same experience of not realizing it. I mean, I, I could, I, everything that I say as we talk on here on Spirit of Recovery, I could probably preface with, I had no idea at the time, but uh, it, it just shows up in so many ways. And this is, this is one, it's one of them. So I asked myself, how have I been at one extreme or another? Now, now that I have some 
uh, more perspective. I'm, I'm sure I'm still doing it in some ways, but I know I'm not doing it to the extent that I was, that's for sure. Uh, well, one principle for me, this is almost a, a joke amongst us all, is, is the principle that says if one's good, then two is better. Two is always better than one, and one more is always better than that. And that right there is a formula for living in an extreme. I mean, there's no other way to carry that concept, you know, whether jokingly or, or seriously, but one way or the other, it's there. There's no way to carry that around and not find oneself at an extreme. If you just keep, if, 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 if the choice is just to keep adding one more, guess what's going to happen? That's for sure. I, uh, I was introduced to that after I got into the halls when they said, um, ask any addict, how much is enough? <laughs> and the answer is always more. You know, it doesn't matter if we're talking about coffee, cake, you know, or our, our former drug of choice or, or whatever. Um, you know, and that showed up in my life in a lot of other ways as well. Um, it wasn't enough just to be good at something. I had to be better, you know, and it wasn't just uh, enough to work this many hours. I had to work more. And, you know, in, in every um, situation, I called it competitive at that point in time, but it was it was driven to an extreme. It was beyond what was um, what I would consider to be a healthy kind of thing. It was m- almost an obsession. I had similar experiences, and this was one that uh, was hard to see. And and this is one that I still know is going on to some degree. You know, this stuff. Uh, is healed slowly over time, uh, I found in my experience, and it's not usually a uh, all of a sudden it's all gone kind of uh, way. Uh, but the idea that with, with anything, especially anything that's, that's important to me, that I'm either really good at it or I'm really bad at it. You know, I feel great or I feel horrible. I feel like um, I really know what I'm doing or I have no idea what I'm doing and everybody else knows what they're doing. And there's very little middle ground in that for me. Now, again, that's something that's uh, not nearly that extreme now, but I, it's, I still notice those tendencies. You know, we talk about how our healing um, doesn't simply erase an old way of being. It, it, a, in my experience, it tones it down, number one. And number two, uh, it brings in the possibility of choice. So uh, I might still have the same gut reaction. I might still under stress. My mind might go to the same place. But uh, I now have a choice. But I still see it happening. And this is one that I, I still see happening. And I can just nod at it and say, yeah. And what about everywhere in the middle? How about if we just, how about if we just be happy right here and right now? What would that be like? <laughs> yeah, what would that be like? You know, we've talked many times on this show about a hundred forms of fear, and it it occurs to me that m- many of my extreme uh, living situations and um, circumstances were driven by fear. You know, to to be, I mean, better than was one of those things, but it was a, a form of overreaction to something. You know, I saw somebody else be punished. I wanted to not have no part of that. So I was going to be better than that. You know, I was going to avoid that. It it drove me into perfectionism in many ways. And that showed up um, early, early on that I had to, that I had to be uh, perfect in these various ways in my life. You know, it also showed up in attitudes, you know, uh, and, and kind of a family attitude was you work hard, you play hard. You know, there was no downtime, rest time in there. It was just work hard, play hard. Another way that uh, looking back, I see that this has shown up. And this one, I have to put in the same category as the one I just shared, meaning that 
Um, it's not completely gone. I, the tendency is still there, but it doesn't have a hold of me like it did before. And um, I can choose otherwise, and I do choose otherwise. But I, I've had trouble keeping things simple. You know, sometimes uh, our recovery programs are defined as the simple programs for complex people. And I, I found that to be true. And I have trouble keeping things simple. Like, for example, this silly made-up example. Seemingly, the way I'm wired, uh, I can't just have some lemonade. I want to start a lemonade business. Why can't I just have some lemonade? Why, why does it need to turn into a thing? And, uh, you know, that comes up for me. It doesn't last that long. Uh, I don't know quite exactly where it comes from, but it's more of that, you know, I can tie it back to, and the literature talks about, us being grandiose. And, and when I first heard that, I thought, I don't see that in myself, but now I can see it in several ways. It doesn't mean that I walk into a party and I go around telling everyone I'm the greatest person in the world. That That's not the kind of grandiose that I've seen showing up in my life. It's little things like, why can't I just do this? Why, why do I need to make it into a big thing? Why do I need to change careers? And all of a sudden, uh, this is it. Now I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. That kind of, it's almost a form of hyper-focus which I might talk about a little later as a superpower, but I have had that uh, that way of being out of balance, of going to extremes. I was reminded by your story about probably within the first week after I arrived in the program, I didn't know what I was going to do with all this extra time I had on my hands, you know, because all of a sudden my life had come to a screeching halt, life as I knew it had come to a screeching halt and I was being instructed to turn the corner and do something different. And I had no idea what that was going to be. So I went down to a hobby store and I bought about $200 worth of t-shirts and paints. I couldn't just get one t-shirt, you know, <laughs> and, and, and start a new hobby, but I needed something to do. So I bought enough to start a store, just like you said. And so it does show up like that for me. Yeah, I've noticed that um, in general. I would just say, you know, any anything that's sort of addiction-flavored, so to speak, in my life. I mean, it could be sugar, right? It could be tobacco. It uh, could be certainly alcohol. Or like we talked about at the top of the show, it could be just more, whatever that is. If one good's too better, two's better, that kind of thing. Now, um, I don't drink anymore in my life. I, I have actually quit using tobacco products, uh, I'm happy to say that. Uh, sugar is still on deck with me, but honestly, I, I used to have a much, um, I, I used to have what I would call an addiction to sugar. Um, I have some affection for sugar now, but it doesn't control me. I have the ability and I choose uh, to, to say no to sugar, to, to use an old catchphrase. Although I have noticed that um, I don't eat one chocolate if you give me a box of chocolates, my choices are I'm going to eat none of them or I'm going to have six. I, I don't understand eating one. It doesn't work. Some switch flips in my brain. Now, fortunately, that doesn't land me in jail and I don't do it all the time. But I mean, that's another way that those uh, that old wiring still shows up. But in recovery, I have a choice. And that is so important, you know, to recognize when the old wiring shows up. Um, you know, for me, that's how imbalance shows up. You know, we, we, in the first step, we describe it as unmanageability. In the second step, for me, we describe it as insanity, you know, and how does my insanity show up? And, and it's recognizing that those kind of things are what drive me 
to the edge, to the edge of the extreme. And, you know, when I think about what did I think about balance back then, I thought that meant keeping, keeping all the balls in the air, you know, juggling 15 things and just not letting anything hit the floor. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any other concept of what balance meant, you know, staying on the tight wire, doing the juggling act and just, you know, moving right along. Another way it showed up for me is in, in the past, or, or I should say historically in my life, I had been a very shy person. I'm still an introvert, but I'm not nearly as shy as I used to be uh, at all, really. Um, but I used to be very shy. Um, that would sometimes all of a sudden go away, though. And so instead of you know, sinking into the background and, and saying nothing, uh, I would find myself all of a sudden talking to everybody and being very outgoing. Now, I used to think that that only happened uh, because I was drinking. You know, the, you, that feeling you wake up the next morning, you'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Was I really doing that? You know, that kind of regrets that we can have with drinking. I would have those same regrets when I was not drinking the day before. That was a clue that it's it's more, there's more than that just going on for me. But again, you know, another extreme, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to listen or I'm going to talk and talk and talk and get involved. And then of course, the, for me, there's inevitably a backlash from that. I have a lot more balance now, but uh, I have experienced that. Another place that showed up for me was, you know, if I'm drinking, okay, great. You know, I can't do that anymore. So now my life was not any good. Now my life should be perfect. And yet I found that after a period of time, I did not have that pink cloud experience. I was hanging on by my fingernails. It was like, well, why isn't my life better? And then they described it in the book when they said, oh, we're having trouble with relationships. We can't control our emotions. We're miserable and depressed. Can't make a living. We feel useless. And I got bingo, bingo, bingo. What do I do about that? That was my question. What do I do about that? So now that we know about this challenge of seemingly always being at one extreme or another, uh, what is the solution? Well, in Unity, we affirm that we have spiritual abilities that we can use to change our lives. And we call these abilities the 12 powers. And while each one is useful on its own, knowing when to use which one can be a challenge itself. The real gift comes into play when we know which ones to use and how, or in other words, when we learn to balance our spiritual powers. And of course, the solution to the challenge of always being at extremes is balance, finding the middle. And so that's what we want to focus on today. So how do I know if I'm experiencing balance? What does it look or feel like when I am? And what about when I'm not? Dan, have you had some experiences like that you could share? I have. And uh, first, I want to say that uh, we, we're using this phrase spiritual balance. And what that means to me is that, you know, certainly uh, we have the unity's 12 powers. We have strength and love, et cetera. Uh, and we have balance. But I have found that um, approaching any concept, any principle, purposely as a spiritual principle, really kind of shifts it for me and, and makes it much more um, approachable. It makes a lot more sense and it, and it makes it sort of fit into my, you know, the healing part of my life, which I would also call the spiritual part of my life much better. So it's not as if spiritual balance is different than any other kind of balance. Uh, we're saying that just to focus on the fact that we are talking about uh, spiritual uh, remedy, if you will, 
um, to an addiction issue, and that's what's going on with that. But one way I know is when I'm not stuck in that trap that I mentioned before, the it's great, it's terrible track. You know, everything is wonderful or everything's bad. I'm on top of the world or I'm going to be living on the street in a box tomorrow. You know, the, these uh, this, it's almost like in a, a kind of elation on one side and then a fear kicks in on the other side. Um, I know that when that's not happening, you know, when I'm, when I'm successfully kind of staying, what I've heard described, I think even uh, Deepak Chopra said, like uh, if you're canoeing down a river, you're not bumping up against one bank, you're not bumping up against the other bank, you're generally kind of staying in the middle. That's how I know what that looks like, how I recognize it rather. Yeah, staying in the flow, you know, and, and I like that analogy a lot. Um, I kept getting stuck on rocks, you know, and, and for me, what you were talking about spiritual balance, it, um, I've tried to manage this balance thing from the outside in, you know, if I rearrange all the parts in my life, then I will be balanced, right? You know, if I, if I get exactly eight hours of sleep and if I eat exactly three times a day and I eat at these times of day and I schedule off this time for family and this time for play and on meetings, et cetera, then everything will be fine, right? That didn't do a thing for my spiritual balance. You know, I was rearranging the, the chairs on the Titanic, really. Um, you know, it did not affect the way that I thought about things. I was trying to force myself into the appearance of balance. So that can be a trap as for me. One way that balance looks now, well, I'll, I'll, I'll preface that by saying I've realized today that uh, balance used to feel kind of boring. Honestly, if I'm being honest, being in balance was boring. You know, people who were um, kind of spiritually, emotionally, physically healthy were boring to me at the time. I wanted to find the other ones who were at one extreme or the other, and I found them, it seems like. But today... I, I don't experience balance as boring. Um, I experience balance, um, you know, much more in a peaceful manner. So in, instead of there's nothing going on, uh, you know, I don't know what to do with myself. It's like, oh, there's nothing going on. Isn't this delightful just to just to be right here doing whatever? I'll walk around the house. Oh, there's the kitty. I'll talk to the kitty for a while. It used to be boredom, and now it's more of a, a kind of, um, oh, I don't know, contentment might be the best word. And I think that that, for me, started happening when fear started falling out of the picture. You know, I, I, and one of the, my experiences of, um, of this type of uh, balance is when I feel like I have enough. And, and we can, you know, whether it's enough time, enough money, enough energy, you know, and that's one of the denial affirmation pairs that I use a lot is that, you know, time doesn't control me. There's enough time to do what I need to do uh, because of the pressures of society can still push me into to feeling that way. And when I can take the space and energy to realize that there's always enough, then I, I get this sense of peace, which is another way that I experience the um, the have the experience of balance. Yeah, I've had uh, something similar, and, and the way it shows up for me is that balance looks like me not worrying about things. You know, the kinds of things that um, I have had habits, I guess, or, um, you know, old ways of being uh, are about getting things done, 
you know, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. It, it used to be dreadful for me just to have something on my to-do list for the day after tomorrow. It was hard for me just to be okay right now, knowing that I had to do that um, then. Um, not having enough money, you know, is a fear that can come up. Fear of being bored, which I would not have thought, but after um, time in recovery, I see that that's uh, in play there too. Another one that was very subtle was a fear of being invisible, you know, being left behind, being forgotten, not being considered, uh, not being um, important to anybody, that kind of in, invisibility. So balance uh, looks like those things are not happening when I'm not um, finding myself subject to that any of those varieties of fear. I know that there's a uh, decent balance going on. For me, I have a have always had a kind of an active mind. And I realized how far out of balance I was one time when a coworker, this was back when I was still using, asked me, well, what do you like to do? And the only answer I could think of was drink. You know, that was the only answer that came to my mind. I have all of these, as you were speaking earlier, grandiose ideas about who and what I am and what I like to do, but I could not think of another way to answer that question. And so balance for me today means the things that I have passion around, the things that I like to do, the things that I want to do, there is time and energy enough for all of that. And I, and I don't mean pushing it to the other extreme of trying to do everything all the time, but that I can consider and make those choices that you were speaking about, you know, that that, that that option is now open to me. I could do this or I could do that. And there are some choices I have made uh, purposely, like I don't watch television. You know, I, I keep up with the news and stuff on my schedule when I want to, but not just to that's not my form of entertainment. And that's a purposeful choice that I made about that because now I have the time to do that. I do that as well. Uh, don't watch, I, you know, I'll watch, I've heard it referred to as pull, uh, entertainment, not push. So when I decide I want to go watch an episode of, sh of a show or a movie or what have you, I'll go do that. But I don't just turn on the TV and have whatever happens to be on being pushed at me. So a way that balance uh, looks in my life now is being able to listen a lot and talk a little. Now, that might be ironic on this show because I feel like I talk a lot on this show, but that's the, that's the format. That's the nature of it. That's what I am here to do, to share experience, strength, and hope. But in the past, um, you know, and there's a theme here uh, among the kinds of difficulties I've had. In the past, I would either say nothing at all or I would, you know, go on and on and sort of need to assert myself boldly uh, in the middle of the discussion. And again, there was always, a, uh, you know, a backlash from doing that. I'm, I've sort of, uh, this sort of whipping back and forth from one extreme to another had a high emotional price for me in life. And I was aware of that long before I knew what was going on or what to do about it. Uh, I'm grateful that I have found a recovery path that's helped me um, temper that and to learn to find the middle and to be in balance. But, you know, just talking, I'm either not going to say anything or I'm going to go on and on and on. That's a really good example. I know so many people, and I was like this as well, when they first show up in a meeting, they don't want to talk at all. We just clam up. And, and then we're, we're afraid when we speak that everybody's looking at us and, well, they are, they're paying attention, but we don't know what that looks like. You know, and it took me a long time to arrive at the 
say what I want to say, not what I think they want to hear, not what I heard the guy in front of me say, you know, to, to come to my own in being able to express myself. And, and that felt like balance to me. I didn't find myself running on as you were commenting, you know. And, you know, th- one of the things that helped me a lot was the serenity prayer. Learning the steps of the serenity prayer to find out what is mine, what is not mine, can I do anything about this? And um, and I realized, I was told, that serenity is not a, an achievement. Peace is not an achievement. Balance is not an achievement. That we have moments of this, at least at that point in my recovery. We have moments of serenity or peace or balance. And that got me started because then I began to recognize what that felt like. One way that balance looks in my life now is uh, feeling comfortable right here and right now. You know, whatever, wherever I am, whatever's going on, whatever I happen to be doing, uh, genuinely feeling comfortable in it, not carrying a kind of anxiety about what I would rather be doing or what, what do I have to do next or, um, you know, and any, anything else that might go along with that. So not needing to be something else, not needing to, to, to be someone different than who I am, but just the ability to be present here and now, uh, and just have that be okay. You know, there's nothing particularly exciting going on, nothing particularly terrible. I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm just being who I am and everything's just kind of all right, which again, uh, you know, in the past that might've felt a little boring. Um, now it feels, um, now it feels peaceful and I appreciate it a lot more. And, and I'm again, I, and I keep saying this, but I'm so grateful. I've had the opportunity to experience this because I ha- did not know that you could, that life could be like this. You know, I did not know that this experience was possible. One of the ways that um, I think of balance today is that the different elements in my life are in appropriate proportion. You know, um, with this this uh, malady called addiction, uh, I have this superpower, the ability to focus, hyper-focus, obsession, they call it. And when I can spread that out and spend the proper amount of attention and time with the priorities in my life, as I have decided they need to be, then I find that, um, you know, an appropriate balance of those to, to, you know, to push me toward this feeling of peace. And for me, that are, that are things like recovery, family, work, friends, social life, each of those things, not in equal proportion, but in appropriate proportion. And that, that helps. I have that same superpower. I wonder how many of us have that same superpower. And I have come to appreciate it greatly. And to me, it's the kind of thing like, um, if I can turn it on and off, even with some degree of success, then it goes from being obsession and and it becomes a, a laser focus ability, which is a superpower. If I can choose to do it and then choose to stop doing it, man, what what a wonderful thing to be able to do. If I can't turn it off, that that's not so wonderful. Uh, th- that becomes debilitating pretty quickly. So hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue this conversation. The phone number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell, taken from a talk called The Plan Unfolds. One of the other aspects of helping to really identify a true new beginning is being willing to sit in deep questions and pay attention to your answers to those deep questions. Deep questions like, what does my soul really long to do and be? If I didn't have to worry about paying bills, what would I really want to do? I'm not suggesting that you drop the the real responsibilities of adulthood, but you can drop that from your process of questioning. What does my heart and soul long for? And what do I need to do to begin to build my life, more of my life, to look like that? To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and deepen your spiritual journey. Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber talks about the need to make a holy shift. Carolyn Mace gets gutsy with God. Justine Willis-Toms dives into new dimensions. And Alberto Violdo shares an excerpt from his new book, Heart of the Shaman. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. This is Biotech. The year is 2149, and the world has become a very dark place. People have augmented their bodies with technology to the point they are no longer human. Yet one brilliant and determined scientist wants to bring the human spirit back to this bleak planet and begins to develop 12 divine attributes that were born in her. Check out the Biotech comic book series from Unity Books, available at biotechcomic.com. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. 
We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. And prior to the break, we were discussing the ways we found ourselves uh, often at extremes in life and, and how a spiritual approach to the power of balance can help heal that situation. So Lonnie, now that we uh, know about this challenge of being at one extreme or another and the solution of spiritual balance, how can we use spiritual balance to come to a place of peace, to create peace in our lives? Well, first I had to get to the balance part. You know, we talked about at, at length about the out of balance piece. I didn't, I didn't move from out of balance to perfect peace in you know one moment and and what that looked like for me was i had to realize that when i had a reaction an emotional reaction that was out of proportion to the event that happened that was out of balance that was about history that was not about the current event whatever that was the current trigger that that caused this emotional thing to be happening and so what i had to do was i had to to call somebody for a reality check and it was often my sponsor and let them help me evaluate the situation and they would say, now, don't you think this is a little bit out of balance, you know, that, that this doesn't warrant, you know, and I, I tended to minimize and to exaggerate whatever was going on emotionally. And so that helped me come into balance because a different set of eyes on the situation would, would, would give me this reality check of, no, that's not that big of a deal. Now, this one, that's a big deal. You need to pay attention to this. And so I would do that and then I would follow the directions, whatever it was they said I should do next, the next right thing. Yeah, I've heard it said if it's if it's hysterical, it's historical, yeah. and uh, I have experienced that many times in my life. Uh, honestly, as recently as two days ago. Now, fortunately, it didn't last long. But you know, our 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 work, our inner work, has a way of presenting itself. And uh, in my experience, there's no such thing as being done or oh, that's I've healed that. I'm done with that. Well, I'm done with it till the next time around. And yes, it's going to be different. And yes, I have done a lot of work on it, um, but it's not you know it, it's not completely crossed off the list. Um, so when I thought about you know how did I use balance to go from being at extremes to peace. I was very happy that I didn't get, uh, I didn't miss the forest for the trees like I can sometimes. Uh, I stopped drinking. That's how I use spiritual balance to go from extremes to peace. I stopped drinking. That that was the big turning point. That's what made everything else po even possible, you know, and put me on a, a recovery path that allowed me to you know, to find out what is that going to look like? How is that going to be? How, how are these things that are now possible going to unfold? None of it uh, would, ha would be showing up at all had I not taken that first giant step of getting out of extremes and moving towards peace of, of quitting drinking. It's, it's almost, it's so big and obvious that I, I could easily see forgetting that, but I, I realized that that's, that's the thing. That was the boulder, if you will, sitting right in the middle of my spiritual growth path. Uh, that it, it, when the time came, the time came, and it, and it had to go. So you want to get in balance. Uh, if you're uh, in addiction like uh, Reverend Lonnie and I have been, step one, uh, stop doing the thing. And, and then the door opens to balance. That's absolutely true. I, that, I think, is a, a very key concept 
that stop is the first action, <laughs> the first action that we have to take. We have to make an intentional choice to do something else, to quit doing what we're doing and to do something else. You know, and, and that, um, as I referred to earlier about my emotional swings from one extreme to the other, um, led me to another tool, which was that I learned that I can't feel and think at the same time. And so I had to stop trying to do that because when I'm in emotion, high emotion, whether it's warranted or not, my body is flooded with chemicals. My brain does not think well under chemicals. I don't make good decisions. And so I, again, I learned that, okay, if, if it's hysterical, it's historical, but guess what? If I'm, if I'm trying to make decisions and I'm all emotional, it's time for me to stop doing that. Stop trying to make a decision and call somebody that's qualified to help me with this situation, whatever it might be. So I, I can't feel and think at the same time. I learned to be fully present with whatever was going on. That helped move me toward peace. I love that phrase you just used, uh, who is qualified to help me with whatever's going on. I think that's really important. That had come up for me uh, recently uh, on Friday evening at a recovery group uh, meeting. I was reminded and I was sharing that, uh, you know, the topic was, um, what do you do when you feel stuck? You know, when you feel stuck on your recovery path, what do you do? And, And where my mind went and what I shared was, um, I will call a program friend, not just any friend, a program friend who I know understands what we're doing, who I know knows how to listen, who I know can let me be crazy and complain and do it all wrong and then take a deep breath and say, would you like a suggestion? And even though I don't, I say, well, yes, I would. And then they say something completely profound and helpful and 80% of the upset goes away. I call a program friend with a program kind of issue. And I just love how you put that call. You know, you, you get with someone who is qualified to help you. If I'm having a medical issue, I might want to talk to a doctor, not a neighbor, you know, at that time. I love that. Uh, one way that I learned to use balance to move from extremes to peace was in, in my recovery home group. I, I could go on and on, and I have on this very show, about how uh, powerful and wonderful um, my recovery group experiences have been. Uh, one way I learned just to be one of the bunch. I learned to just be another person in a chair showing up there for the same reason, there to listen to others, maybe to share something if called on to do so. Um, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the quote worst, whatever that would even mean. I don't know. I'm not the quote best. Uh, I'm just here just like everybody else. And I learned that um, in recovery group, learned to just, just be a member of the team. You know, I don't, I don't have to be uh, the coach or the boss. One of the tools that helped me move toward balance and move into this place of peace was learning that um, I have a finite amount of things that I can do about a given situation. So I'm in this emotional basket case place and I call somebody and they say to me, have you done everything you can do today? about this. <laughs> it's that and, helpful suggestion. That's yeah, so annoying. exactly. And I say, well, yes. And then they'd say, well, let it go. You can pick it up again tomorrow. I had this happen because I had IRS troubles when I was first um, in the program and, you know, and I'd gotten a letter and I opened the letter and I don't even, can't even tell you what it actually said, what I 
read into it <laughs> was that my front door was going to be padlocked, my my bank account was going to be garnished, and I was going to be on the street, you know. And and of course, none of that was true. And there's always a time lag and all of that. But I again could not see that with the the hysterical thing going on. Couldn't think straight. But that was the suggestion: was Have you done everything you can do today? Did you call them? Did you write them? Did you you know have you paid your last payment, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, yes, yes. Okay drop it, stop it, you know, and again, that stop, uh, make an intentional choice to do something different. I had a very hard time with that. That, that, that's a great example of one of those things where even if I had done everything I could do about it today, I can't, my mind would not let it go until it was done. Even if the next possible action was two days from now, uh, that would feel like, uh, you know, that would hang over my head the entire time. And and fortunately, I have learned some balance there as well uh, to just, you know, let let the next thing be the next thing when it's time comes and just live in the moment now. One thing that helped me with that a lot is a meditation practice. Now, I'm not the world's uh, best meditator. I am not disciplined by nature. Uh, it seems maybe I can be, I don't know if it's genes or, or uh, if it's a learned behavior, but uh, a formal sitting meditation has been very challenging for me um, to maintain, but I have done enough of it that I've learned to slow down a little bit and at least, at least to develop an ability then to choose like with your example with the IRS. And I, I had, I also had some trouble with the IRS here or there. Um, in the past, uh, to simply develop the ability to choose and say, oh, um, you know, by doing all this meditation, I seem to have realized that I can do a different thing with my head than the thing that normally wants to take over. Uh, why don't I try that on for size right now and see what happens? And so, you know, a meditation practice helped me uh, learn to, to use that kind of spiritual balance to stop being at extremes all the time. You know, something that helped me a lot also was to practice as if, you know, just act as if. What would I do if I were going to be in the middle on this instead of at one extreme or the other? What would a normal person do? What <laughs> would my sponsor do? You know, how how should I, how would or should a rational human being act or think or be in this particular situation. That alone caused me to pause long enough that some of the emotion and some of the, the uh, urgency uh, of the obsession that was pushing me allowed me to, to find some balance because I wasn't as reactive as I had been before. You know, so instead of shooting from the hip immediately because that's what was going on, I learned to pause. Uh, and and that helped. And then guide my next action either by asking somebody or doing any of those things that I just mentioned. You know, but something else that helped me was uh, a lot was learning to say no. So many of the times I didn't have um, I was I was out of balance because I was saying yes codependently to to things I didn't want to do with people I didn't want to be with going places I didn't want to be. And then I'd find myself in this situation and I didn't have the time or energy money interest to do the things that I wanted to do for myself. And so that was a, a practice to learn to say no instead of, well, maybe, or, oh, sure, and then try to figure out how to get out of it later. Yeah, that that's a phrase I've used so many times in my life. Why did I say I would do this? Uh, 
sometimes for those reasons and sometimes just because um you know when it comes time to do something i might be in a different mood than i was when i thought it would be a great idea and it's not even that it's a a bad thing to do but just that it, i think it just points at the kind of inner conflict that i have lived with that's um you know, gotten so much better. So one way that I learned to use the spiritual balance to stop being at extremes and get some peace in my life is to do that phrase we've heard so many times, let go and let God. You know, that that's easy to say. I found that that was easy to say, uh, easy to think I understand, much harder to actually understand and harder yet still to actually do. Um, I have developed that ability to some extent over time. I'm grateful for that. And so just by pausing, and again, I'm kind of on a theme here, um, just just pause, take a breath. It's similar to the meditation. In fact, it's kind of like a, an informal meditation, we'd call it, where you know, anytime, anywhere, sitting at a stoplight, standing in line at the store, I can just uh, turn my attention within for a few seconds, take a breath, just literally pause practice being right here right now just for a moment and it's amazing how that starts to take root uh, when I do it over and over that's how I uh, let go and let God you know let go of whatever it is my mind um, wants to race on or chew on like a puppy you know my mind is like a puppy it always wants to be chewing on something uh, let go of that for a minute and just experience the peace of being just for a few moments and it, it has a remarkable ability to shift my life experience uh, over time from, like we're saying, from kind of always being at an extreme to uh, being able to be in the middle of the river, you know, experiencing peace. So one of the ways that I learned to use balance to move out of these extremes is to learn and set boundaries and to then to practice those boundaries. And those, you know, saying no was a piece of that. No, I'm not interested. No, I don't want to. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings. Oh, sure, here, I'll go begrudgingly. But to, to set a boundary and then to stick to it, you know, uh, because the boundaries were about me taking care of me. They weren't about keeping other people out, but I didn't know that to start with. And once I got better at that, that moved me much farther along the path um, uh, to balance because I could do what I wanted to do when I needed to with the people I wanted to be with. And when I needed uh, to take some time for self-care, I had that time and energy left to do that as well. And so boundaries are essential in my book for moving into peace out of these extremes. Another way, and this is also through uh, reco my recovery group, another way I was able to learn balance is uh, that I learned in the group how to talk, you know, how to share. Uh, in the group and, and not have, have it to either, it doesn't have to either be profound or stupid. It could just be whatever's on my mind. It, 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 that's another example of um, that kind of grandiosity. It's another example of going from one extreme to another, especially early on, you know, when it's, it's hard, it's hard to talk and it feels like everyone who's there, they've been here forever. They know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And I say something and 
um, you know, it's it's almost like the nightmare scenario is that I, as I walk into my car later thinking, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so stupid. That was a stupid thing. You know, all this harsh judgment about it. Well, guess what? It doesn't have to be that. And I don't have to be a shining star either, right? I can just be another person in the room sharing what's going on uh, for me right in that moment. And that is quite enough. And I learned that uh, in my recovery group. So how did I move from one extreme to the other using balance, the spiritual principle of balance? You know, part of it for me, well, actually, most of it came through working the steps in order, as I was told, with the exception of one. And, you know, so first in the first few, I had to recognize how how far reaching this imbalance and this uh this uh, uh, these extremes went, but then the step ten. My sponsor put me on step ten. She said, "You can start practicing this today. You don't have to trash any more of your life. You can start looking at your life every day and saying, how did I do?' You know." And the the tool that she gave me out of that was, um, "Don't take the bait." Hmm. You know, there were so many times in my in my life because of the situations in early recovery that I would feel like I had to respond to somebody, and she'd say, "Don't take the bait." You know, uh, stop, step back, pause, pray, you know, go the other way, whatever you have to do. But start, you know, start with this. Don't take the bait. When somebody says something, when somebody pokes at you, when somebody, you know, tries to uh, get you riled up, they say something that, that rubs you the wrong way, don't take the bait. And that alone, learning not to take the bait, started me down that path. One thing that helped me to establish some balance is to, uh, or when I realized that uh, doing nothing is often the next right thing to do. And we talk about our recovery program is the program of action. And it absolutely is. If I don't take action, then I'm not going to experience recovery. But that doesn't mean that I always have to be doing something all the time in my life. That's not true either. And, and when I realized that doing nothing at all may very well be the next right thing, uh, that took a whole lot of pressure off. And just the, the fact that it did so, it's almost like it opened up a space, you know, and in that space was an experience of peace. So if I'm able to let go of, you know, I don't, I don't always have to be doing, 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 or doing nothing at all. You know, what am I laying on the couch and watching TV or I'm go, 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 go. Uh, believe it or not, there's something in between those two things. And when I realized that doing nothing is the next right thing to do, sometimes, maybe much of the time, I don't know, um, that created a space. And in that space was peace. And I thought, aha, I like this. I, I can, I'm down with this. If this is true, this will work for me. <laughs> You know, some of, to try to find that space, that peace, that quiet time, I imposed structure on my life. You know, instead of just whatever I felt like doing, now it was, um, and this was, uh, I referenced earlier, trying to impose structure from the outside in. I made a calendar, you know, each day, what was I doing at 6 a.m., at 6.30, at 7, etc. And I tried to make these equal parts. You know, I'm going to spend this much time with recovery. I'm going to spend this much time with my family and this much time with, with uh, my, my own pursuits, whatever they may be. I wasn't working at the time, so that wasn't on the calendar. And somehow or another, that didn't work either to get me into balance because it was, it was always, I can look back now and see that it was according to somebody else's formula. A balanced life should have this. 
And so I was trying to impose it from the outside. And one of those uh, examples was sleep. I don't happen to require as much sleep as many people do. And I had somebody say, you must get nine hours of sleep. I tried to sleep for nine hours for years, and it doesn't work for me. I'm about a six-hour person. You know, so I found an extra three hours in my day whenever I started living for myself and what worked for me in this type of thing. But that was one of the steps on my journey to try to find this elusive thing called balance. Another way I was able to move from extremes to uh, more peace is to learn to let my mind wander, which it does and will do, and not feel like I need to follow it. That was a new concept for me. Um, it doesn't work for me in life just to say, well, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn to quote, control my mind. So it doesn't wander. You know, I'm reminded of, uh, from Lewis Carroll, the quote rabbit holes. My mind loves to go down a rabbit hole because I'm, I get very interested, especially if it's about how something works and I'm digging, digging what's next and what's what about this? What about that? What about that? What about that? So I can do that and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what has helped me is that I, I don't come out of that thinking I have a new career. Uh, I've got to put this on my to-do list. Uh, I got to learn more about it. Actually, no, I don't. I can close every tab on my browser and be done with it at that moment. I don't have to worry that I won't be able to find it later if I want to. I don't have to figure out how to fit it into my life. I can just let it go, and that feels really good. So um, I can let my mind wander, which it loves to do, uh, but I don't have to follow it everywhere that it goes. I can just let it go at the end. That's That's been very liberating. And something that was immensely helpful for me that brought me um, peace was listening to the end of every meeting that I was in when they read the promises. And these were the ninth step promises because they talked about how we're going to be amazed, but they, they prefaced it by saying if we're painstaking about this phase. Yes. And so that was what I focused on was the painstaking part. What did that look like? What do I have to do to earn this instead of understanding that it was grace that brought it to me as I changed and as I grew in the program? But, you know, to know a new freedom and a new happiness, you know, I didn't believe that was possible. How am I, I going to get there? Okay, if I just keep doing this, not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it, you know, um, and, and comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. I didn't really understand how these linked up, how it worked or why I would get these, but they started happening for me. And that gave me great um, joy, gratitude, peace, um, contentment, all of those things that I had been seeking started showing up. And, and every time I listened to these, it, you know, it, it, um, it filled me with this sense of, of, I won't call it balance, I'll call it serenity or peace, that yes, this works. Yes, this is true. Yes, this is, I'm on the right track. Yeah, those promises do come true. I, I love that about it. Uh, I love seeing it happen in others. You can see it in their eyes. I love the experience of it happening myself. Uh, just like you're saying, moving from that kind of bewilderment to, okay, yeah, whatever. Like in Boston, what do they say? You can't get there from here. Uh, I, I can't see it. But uh, it was true. And I've, I've found it to continue to unfold. Uh, one last thing. Uh, that helped me is that I learned that I didn't have to do everything myself. I didn't even know that I felt like I had to do everything myself. Uh, and so first I had, I realized that I, I did. 
and sometimes still do feel like I have to do everything myself. Um, that's not true. I don't have to do everything myself. I can take a breath. I can do nothing. I can ask someone for help. I can decide to do it later. There are so many different approaches that I don't literally have to do everything myself. But let us now shift gears and move into action. Unity's fifth principle states it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do to move from living at the extremes in life to a place of peace using spiritual balance. Think of a way that you might be at one extreme or the other in life right now. Are you overusing your power of strength to get your way? Or maybe you're not speaking up when you know it would be better to do so. Are you spending too much time working and not enough playing? Or vice versa? What's important is to pick one thing, a simple thing, to focus on just for this exercise. The idea is to relax and to let it be easy, and you can take what you learn here today into your life this week and return to it and say these this denial and affirmation anytime you choose in order to find peace. So let's use an example of working too much and not playing and resting enough. We use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to being at streams with your work and your leisure life. You could say something like, old ways of being do not define who I am today. Repeat it a few times in your head or say it aloud, but say it with conviction. Old ways of being do not define who I am today. And follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, I claim the balance and peace of God through the power of the Christ within me. And then take a few quiet moments to take a breath, relax, and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Again, that denial, old ways of being do not define who I am today. I claim the balance and the peace of God through the power of the Christ within me. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something to help you on your recovery path, and we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to all our listeners, and thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights that were shared in our discussion today. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, again, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.